Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm the producer, Gina Dalvac, delivering this week's agenda. Ann and Amina discuss lemonade, scamming, the best and worst looks from the Met Gala, period activism going mainstream, Ivanka's stepmom, self care for election season, and a child free icon in the form of Terry Gross. Hi. <laughs> Hi, boo-boo. What's going on? You know, just snacking. Just, I know. I, I was just telling you before we started recording that I almost choked on this triple chocolate brownie. They're not kidding. I mean, that, sometimes that's like a warning, you know, like too I much know. chocolate for some consumers. You know, oh, now I'm looking at the label. It's so crazy. Artisan crafted, gluten-free, triple chocolate, truffle brownie. Yeah, almost dead. That's a lot of adjectives. Locally produced chocolate for a moist, fabulous chocolatey <laughs> treat. So gross. Wow. Um, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm in my period, so I really needed this chocolate snack and it hit the spot. I'm happy you're meeting your needs. I know. Um, what else is going on? Are you having a good day? I'm having a pretty good day. It's like it's really funny that the like pre-summer gloomy season has started in LA, and so it makes me loathe to do my work in the morning. It's like this is the true cozy season here. So that's what's happening in my world. Slow start and um, lots of travel. The usual story. The story I always tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're traveling. We're busy. We're bleeding. I had like kind of an eventful morning though. This morning on my walk, I found like some tourist passport with their money belts and it had like over a thousand dollars in it. It was crazy. Did you immediately look for hidden cameras? Like, is oh, yeah, this a reality TV for, setup? Okay, listen, here's how it went. I saw it and I was like, I don't want to be responsible for this thing. So I really <laughs> debated whether to pick it up or not. And, like, finally I was like, fine, I'll do it. It's like that Kanye tweet, like, a long time ago where he was like, I hate it when I wake up in the plane and somebody's put a water bottle next to me. And now I'm like, I gotta be responsible for this water bottle. It's passing, passing the psychological buck. <laughs> no, exactly. So that's how I felt. I was like, ugh, this passport. But it was, like, clearly a foreign country. I've been that person. You should be a good person and you should help them. And so I pick it up and then there's all this money in the money belt. And I'm like, oh, my God. Either I'm gonna get, like, narcoed or like there's a hidden camera somewhere it was so crazy and but also like I'm not even gonna lie the first after I had dealt with the fact that I was gonna be responsible for this visions of Joanne the scammer just like <laughs> flash across my eyes and I was like I'm a liar, scammer, scoundrel. And I was feeling so excited about it. I was like, I love robbery and fraud. Hey, girl, I just wanted to let you girls know that I'm a real messy bitch. A liar, a scammer. I love robbery and fraud. I'm a messy bitch who lives for drama. I decided to turn it in. But I, again, I was like, this is the price of being a good person. I was like, I have a really busy day. I don't want to like find this person's like consulate or like go to the police and turn it in. But then I called their consulate and they like came to pick it up. And it was a very nice interaction with a very nice Portuguese man today. Oh my God. So true story. When I was in high school, I definitely found a purse or more accurately, a mini backpack that had a wallet in it. 
and it only had like $40 in the wallet and yeah. I definitely like I don't know high school logic like how can we defend what we do in high school I definitely like mailed the purse to the <laughs> to the address on the driver's license but in the wallet the and kept and kept the remaining dollars you gave yourself a reward I totally did this is so shameful I don't actually think I've ever admitted this to anyone before and now oh I'm telling you about God. it and then I probably bought weed with the remaining money or something you like, are also Joanne the scammer you're a messy bitch who knew I mean I did not call the consulate so props <laughs> to you for doing better than high school and did when faced with a similar moral quandary <laughs> it was so crazy you know it was really funny too because I mean like the whole time I was like how are you going to compensate me for my time of waiting for you here sir but you know what it was very nice we had a great conversation and I'm really happy that that person has their property back and hopefully they'll go back to their country and say that America is the best country. I'm doing it for tourism. Oh, I mean, you are truly an example to all other Americans. But also, like, did you at least a little bit think, come on, you're not going to offer me a reward? I mean, no. So I really didn't think that. The minute I decided that I was going through the consulate instead of finding this person, I did like a quick cursory search for them on Facebook and I was like I'm not dealing with this but there's a tiny part of me that feels that I really let down Joanne the scammer so I feel bad it's true she scammed in like more than 40 states I know you know they like deleted her um somebody like scammed her Instagram but not her Twitter this weekend I know down I know I was devastated um we will link to Joanne the scammer for those who are not informed oh my god and if you don't know who joanne prada is aka joanne the scammer like please get involved right away even even Katy perry knows who she is so you have a little catching up to do but we have faith Uh, Katy perry is such a try hard like of course this is actually a great transition into the next thing i want to talk to you about is the uh high holiday of fashion the met gala um truly so many delightful delightful things i really wish that there were a culture of i don't know and i know people are like tweeting about it and stuff like that as it happens but there's not really like a thing to watch for the met gala and i sort of wish there was yeah there's not really and the thing about it that like oh man i'm gonna sound like such a mean girl but it's like the one thing i feel like i feel fine being a mean girl about is that Met Gala is, like, the one time that you can tell, like, which one of your friends just have, like, know nothing about fashion. And it's, like, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, the point is not to show up with a beautiful gown. It's, like, the point is to be a little outrageous and to be on theme. And, like, most of the celebrities always never get the theme. And the theme this year was, like, robots. So, you know, everybody was, like, metallics. I'm, like, God, how fucking groundbreaking. It's true. Metallics for the robot theme. You don't say. But Katy Perry was, like, her outfit was so ridiculous. Again, try hard. And then she wore that, like, I'm not a Be- I'm not Becky uh, pin. Her mm. and Rita Ora wore them, which I thought was so disrespectful. Just, and, like, be smarter. Just be smarter. I'm, you can't see me. My hand is over my forehead, covering my eyes. I can't even handle the white, the white girl shame that I feel when I hear about that. I know. It's crazy. And then date of Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom, like, legit was wearing a Tamagotchi. And I... <laughs> I don't think anybody's made me laugh that hard. I'm pretty sure they wore matching Tamagotchis. It was ridiculous. So everyone was making fun of Zayn's bionic arms, but he stuck with the theme. <laughs> I have to say, respect to Zayn sticking 
with the theme. I feel so conflicted about Zayn because I love him, but I saw the arms and I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. But him and Gigi look so good, and I really root for those two. So it's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to let you have it. Uh, Claire Dane's dress, you were on theme. You know what you're doing, and I usually don't ride for those kinds of, like, gowns. But it was like glow in the dark. It was so good. Bioluminescence, so hot right now. I know. It's like, you got this. You got this. What else did we love? Um, oh, I have another like kind of dislike, which is Taylor Swift as Jenny Humphrey from the Kiss on the Lips party. You know what oh, I'm talking about? Oh my God, Anne. Oh my God. Somebody on Twitter said that her dress was like the bottom of a salmon filet and I couldn't handle it. I had to like close the internet. But there was this like great, also, um, Twitter and Instagram account, this like great um, person from uh, Brazil, this man who just like he recreated all of the outfits with tin foil and toilet paper in like 20 minutes is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I, I saw this and, you know, this is like in the center of my van, like so crafty, <laughs> but also like so fashion aware. I loved it. I know. My favorite moment of the night and of any fashion moment is anytime the Olsen twins show up because I have loved the Olsen twins just forever. <laughs> and is the best thing. I mean, I, thing. I feel like the Olsons have a, like, natural bionic woman look. I'm like, are you robots? Are you women? I can't really tell. Like, they're on theme without even doing anything. Yeah, no, that was the thing. They, like, were just, they were wearing, like, Saudi Arabian mom Abaya-type outfits, and they still looked great. I get very verklempt anytime the Olsen twins are involved in anything, so it's perfect. The thing I can't believe about the Olsen twins is they're not constantly sucking in their cheeks. Like, that's just the way they look. Oh my god, I love them so much. (laughs) Um, It's the best. Well, you know who looked great at the Met Gala is Beyonce, and we haven't talked about Lemonade yet. I know, but how did that latex dress feel? Okay, anyway, uh, setting that aside, I was like... She was wearing a beautiful condom, you mean? Exactly, the most high-fashion condom, but I was like, what is that thing lined with? Like, can you imagine? Anyway. And you must suffer for fashion. Clearly. Yeah, we have not talked about Lemonade, and I have to say that I have really enjoyed this week the kind of slightly delayed, a little bit more... Not that the early reaction weren't substantive but like the one week later one month later reactions to lemonade have really have really brought it for me no totally i agree with you i've been listening to it on a loop and you know it's like i like beyonce but i can't handle like beyonce fandom sometimes just gets a little too much for me Mm -hmm. but i really like this album i feel like she's taking all these risks i'm obsessed with that daddy lessons country music song Because Beyonce's going to win a CMA and the white people are going to be so mad. It's going to be great. I I cannot wait. I feel like um, everyone was really proud of Taylor Swift for crossing over in the other direction. But like truly what is more transgressive? The Beyonce going country move. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And Dixie Chicks like covered the song, which, you know, like not that they needed to legitimize it, but it was such a finger in the face of like all these people who were saying that like black artists can't do country. And hello, first of all, black people invented country music. If you don't know, like learn that. And then two, like Beyonce can do Beyonce can do no wrong. 
It's true. And the better I feel I feel like you're totally right that for me the best way to realize that is through repeat solo listening as opposed to with like I don't know checking in with Instagram comment fandom. It's so crazy. But yeah, so many good songs. The James Blake one made me laugh a lot. The minute I saw the feature, I don't know why. It just like made me laugh. I was like, this is great. Also, I have to say the Jack White collaboration, very challenging to me personally as someone who dislikes almost everything about Jack White. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, you really, you're testing me. The Lord is testing me. And I don't hate that song. It is not my favorite on the album, but the fact that there could be a Jack White song, like sung portion of a Beyonce album. I wish I would have known sooner so I had had time to prepare myself. <laughs> Man, you know, black people love Seven Nation Army. I don't know what to tell you. So <laughs> we're here for Jack White. Oh, I'm, I can't. I can't with that. Like, we'll, we'll trade you Jack White for the weekend. How about that? Oh, my gosh. Actually, white people might take that deal. Like, on behalf of white people, <laughs> I might take that deal. On behalf of the white delegation. <laughs> on behalf of the white delegation, we accept your trade of Jack White for the weekend. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, Little the Weekend looked also great at the Met Gala with his girlfriend, uh, Bella Hadid, my favorite Hadid. Well, oh. that's not true. My second favorite Hadid after Anwar, Little Brother. But, um, <laughs> you she, always like, love the Little Brother. <laughs> I don't know this first of all and he is struggling with Lyme disease so like be nice to him all right all right so, so is Bella I feel like he's gonna make it he's like that next generation and he's on the cusp I'm rooting for him oh my god but you're right I do like the little brothers little Baron Trump Anwar Hadid oh my god yes. speaking of Baron do you want to talk about this Melania interview in GQ and what a mess <laughs> <laughs> This profile is great because you realize that, like, Melania and the Donald, uh, Ivanka's dad, they deserve each other, like, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I also, though, I loved the quote. There's, they quote, the article quotes an old friend from Slovenia saying, there is a peace in her, like, P-E-A-C-E. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, you must have a deep well of inner peace if, like, you can just kind of chill in the, in the role that you are currently in. Oh, my God. First of all, shout out to the great nation of Slovenia. I was just about you to say. given us so much. <laughs> Slovenia's biggest export. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. This interview is in GQ, and it's so it's so great it's like one of the funniest reads in the world referring to her as anybody's slovenian sweetheart is hilarious <laughs> i love it <laughs> oh my god yeah and it's also just this like i don't know the poll quotes are amazing i didn't know much about donald trump she said of being introduced i had my life i had my world <laughs> it was like a more innocent time some of her friends in this thing are just like not too kind to her they're just like you know she's not the brightest crayon in the box but like did, like she's not gonna break anything i mean and that's funny but she also has all this like international intrigue around her and well not intrigue like family intrigue which she like responded very poorly to the world like finding out via this profile yeah i also have to say and this is going to sound kind of mean girls but i'm going to say it anyway because i wondered it it's like did she strike you as one of those women who don't have any women friends and literally she's a cipher to me i don't <laughs> 
the circle that I know who she is through is like other women who are part of this world. So no, she doesn't strike me as that kind of oh, person. Oh, okay, sorry. So you have inside knowledge of women who are real oh, life no, friends. No, no, no. With I'm her. just saying that like all the European <laughs> trashy like tabloid stuff that I read, like it was always like Melania, friend of this Swedish designer, Melania, friend of this, you know, like whatever. Before she was like wife of Donald. I'm always skeptical though that like, and this is again personal biases that rich people really are friends with each other. I'm like, does that just mean you go to the same parties or are you? <laughs> really friends like if you're all famous and rich together if you're in two photos together you are friends oh my god this is an issue of semantics is what you're saying listen (laughs) it's so funny but the part of this that was really sad is that the um reporter who wrote the story julia yaffe um got so much just like anti-semitic like hate dumped on her because melania didn't approve of the profile and like said so in her um, on her Facebook page, she was like, this rep- like reporter is trying to make a name for herself. And it's like, mm, this woman's been writing for the New Yorker and the New York Times for a long time. Right, this woman has already made a name yeah, for herself. Yeah, nobody's trying to make a name but- off of like a Slovenian model. Like, calm down. That was like the, cra- the part of the news cycle that was like kind of insane to watch. Yeah, I mean, and I have to say, as someone who, depending, like sometimes when I write about race, I will get anti-Semitic tweets and like that whole storm front underbelly. Because people think that you're Jewish totally totally and it's always like one of those things where I'm like I'm not going to correct you because it would not be okay either way but anyway and not to say that I know what this writer is going through but like there is definitely something about it that is like point proving not that anyone should have to deal with this to prove prove a point but you're like wow you can't even write what is by most accounts not a like deliberately negative profile of a potential future first lady without getting this level of hate spewed at you shocking Ivanka's dad and you know like and his army of haters everywhere it's true I mean and then what do you feel I don't know like like that sort of stuff being done in your name I understand like Donald Trump does not care about people being racist in his name or about being overtly racist himself but like she's an immigrant (laughs) you would think she would care that's the part of this whole story that is such a mindfuck to me I was like I'm like I know that you know like you obviously like present European white and then that's fine but, like, surely this cannot be okay. Right. Like, you're also an immigrant. The cognitive dissonance around all of this just drives me crazy. Oh, totally. Yeah, no one is like, build a wall between us and Slovenia. Oh, my God. We should, though. Oh, my God. Um, let's go to Slovenia. See why do you take Slovenia. Sounds like a very nice place. I actually have a friend who is obsessed with Slovenia and lived there. <laughs> Seriously. And he, had a, he had a clock in his apartment in the shape of the outline of the nation of Slovenia. We, we have an inside track on some tips if we want to take a CYG field trip. That's so funny. A very good-looking, like, brother and sister pair at my elementary school were Slovenians, and I always, I often think about them. Ugh, it's so good. What else do we need to discuss? Oh, I mean, ugh, this it's just too much. Hmm. Did you have a transition there? I thought no, it's like I got I got really stressed out thinking about how 
the father of Ivanka is now also the nominee for the GOP. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, that's happening. Not not too shocking, but... I guess it was between him and the Zodiac Killer, so it, like, kind of worked out. Right. I mean, that's, like, that's a that's a definition of a lose-lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I tell you, though, the other day, the Donald made fun of somebody on TV. Oh, it was John Kasich, and he, like, brought up how John Kasich is, like, a disgusting eater, and I laughed out loud. <laughs> and I was like, I'm part of the problem. It was just, he was so ridiculous. He, like, obviously roped Baron into it, which is why I found the story endearing. Baron, not a sweatpants child, Trump. <laughs> Baron was pointing at him and he said, Daddy, smaller bites. <laughs> like, oh my God, Baron is such a, such a little brat. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I just cannot with that. Oh like, my God. this child team, judging. Team Baron. You know what? They were right. John Kasich needs to eat, like, in a more dignified way. He can't be our president eating like that. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, what else is going on? Oh, do you have a This Week in Menstruation update? Well, I feel like the, the, the meta-menstruation news is that it's it has been declared a thing now that people are trying to reclaim the period as something not shameful, and um, and I feel that is that is kind of what's notable. Oh, you mean a thing that we've been doing on this very show and in our very friendship for a long time? Yeah, you mean our two-year-long public project to make... Yeah, <laughs> we're not bitter about not getting credit for this not at all (laughs) oh my god it's like so many people sent us the newsweek cover story and while i'm very excited for menstruation to be having a moment i really dislike the gender essentialism around it yeah let me read the first line of this article since you don't have it open it says let's begin with the obvious every woman in the history of humanity has or had a period yeah, that's not true. Thumbs down. Strong thumbs like, down. Yeah, like very strong thumbs down. And it, it really clouded like the way that I read this thing and I received it. You know? Yeah, and I think that, look, like I wrote my New York Mag column last week about all of the tampon tax and feminine hygiene tax bills happening at the state level. And I talked to some very awesome legislators at the state level who are working on this. But definitely like like using language that says that this is a winning issue for them because like most of their women constituents have or had it's had at some point had a period. I think that is statistically true. Like I actually think it is true that like most women have some experience with having a period, but like allowing for that little bit of gray area, even though it doesn't sound like that maybe the kind of strong opening you want for your Newsweek feature is so important. I know, and and just also just, like, erases so many, like, essentially, like, anybody who's not a cis woman. Yeah. And that's, like, not cool. Right, or, like, I mean, there are plenty of cis women who don't get periods either, quite frankly. Like, you know, yeah, for various reasons. Ugh, okay. Um, what else is going on? Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that we're just like, yeah, menstruation is getting big, moving along. <laughs> <laughs> moving along. You know what? Like menstruation's been big. I know. For us at least. So it's cool. Also, I, I tweeted via CYG. I asked people like what we should be talking about. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just like perusing those topics. Tell me. I'll, I'll tell you and then we can like yes or no them. Okay. Drumpf. Is that, oh, that's the... That's the John Oliver John nickname Oliver. for Trump. Yeah, no. Um, already covered. Already covered. We call um, him Ivanka's dad. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Cruz, Kasich dropping out. Um, yeah, they're losers. They should drop out. Um, this, I sound like Trump. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. 
Oh my god. The strange combination of proper noun that was Khalid and Ariana Huffington Snapchatting together at the White House Correspondents Dinner. That did make me very happy. Like Khalid at the White House dinner was incredible. I mean, he is really everywhere. I don't pay too much attention to the White House Correspondents Dinner, but just like how do you make it there and then to like Atlanta for like to open for Beyonce and then he's just everywhere. He's just everywhere. It's the best. Okay. Um somebody says, talk about your morning routines, what you're reading right now. See Secret guilty pleasures. Oh my gosh, someone wants to know <laughs> us so well. It's really nice. Oh, I know us so well. Well, my morning routine is consists of waking up <laughs> and trying to wash my face. What are we reading right now? Magazines. I'm a very solid magazine rotation right now because they have piled up at my house, and I have no guilty pleasures. Um, that's true. No guilt. I... Oh no, that's not true. And the Wall Street Journal. That's my guilty pleasure. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, how to spend it. <laughs> Reverse guilty pleasure. That is a true guilty pleasure. I don't know. Um, I I am also reading lots of magazines. I did a major New Yorker catch-up on, on the plane recently, and um, so I've been reading lots of profiles lately, some better than others. The Erica Badu profile I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, I know. I'm just so disappointed at Erica Badu as a person right now. I know, because of her... It's very hard to engage in her work. Trust. I know. Because, well, did we talk about this on the podcast? No, we didn't talk about it. It's because she, I don't even want to misquote her. Let me get some receipts. But I will t- I will say this, that one of the details in the profile was that she drives a Porsche with the license plate, she ill. <laughs> Which I, I don't know. I do a lot of thinking about like, if I ever were to get a personal license plate, what it would say. I have not even come close to finding like the right thing, but I, I did like a, a pause and appreciate for that. Yeah. Okay. Here's the Erica Badu thing. It was basically about rape culture and all of that stuff. So people were like tweeting about like wearing modest clothing or whatever. High school girls, right? Yes. Yeah. High school girls like wearing modest clothing. She just, like, said all of this, like, crazy, (laughs) like, very awful stuff about it. She's like, it's not these, like, young girls who are doing anything wrong by being beautiful and attractive, but there's such an imbalance in our society that it's smart to be, where's the rest of the tweet before I get angry? She was essentially, like, victim-blaming and uh, saying that, like, you need to do your part. She's like, it's everyone's male and female's responsibility to protect young ladies. One way to protect youth is to remind them that we are all sexual in nature, and as they grow and develop, it's natural to attract men. Ugh. Right. Like, no. like, this is not the way to start talking about school uniforms. This is not, it's not cool. And honestly, it's just, like, on that continuum of people just making young women responsible for the ways that, like, society and men choose to sexualize and objectify them, and that's not cool. Right. It's also it's also natural to, like, attract young men when you are wearing giant sweatpants and a paper bag over your head. So, like, I don't even know where this comes from sometimes. Uh, also, yeah, it's just, like, that reminder that, like, people who just, like, into incense and patchouli and, like, hotep, like, black culture can't really trust them at the end of the day. Not okay. I mean, I will say that while I am not endorsing any any of her politics, I do endorse the profile. Okay. Um, I'll check it out. And there's also an interesting, there's a kind of an interesting profile of Sharon Horgan, who is a writer, actor in Catastrophe, and like some of her work, which um, there was this part where the... Um, 
where the reporter asked her about how her character in Catastrophe doesn't really have any friends. And she was like, oh yeah, kind of, it's because I don't have any friends. But it, <laughs> um, Which it was like a very funny kind of like acerbic comedian thing to say. But I definitely like, you know how like you watch those sometimes and like, even if a show has like a woman at the creative helm, you're like, do you have any real friends? Does this character not have friends? Does this feel real to you? It doesn't feel real to me. And I was, it was very satisfying to like hear her have to address the question. I always, in my head, I always call catastrophe catastrophe. So <laughs> I'm glad that you brought it up. Oh, right, here are the other things from Twitter. Who should be Hillary's running mate? Us, of course. Um, the other thing, there's Uma. an initiative to make pads and tampons free in New York City schools. Go New York City school system. Oh, yeah. So this is actually part of, like, a lot of the legislators. Of that Right. That have introduced tampon tax bills are, like, now pushing for, for making them free in public buildings, such as schools and, like, the legislature. That's also the case in California where it's been proposed. Um, okay. The Twitter questions are getting weird now. Somebody's, like, talking. <laughs> about retrograde i'm like that's too deep the pain of new but beautiful but not yet broken in shoes girl break them in oh sometimes Uh, it's not possible though i'm having a really tough experience with this right now anyway go on i know i just i'm such a proponent of wearing like comfortable shoes i don't know about breaking in shoes but what happens let me just hit you with a hypothetical that may or may not be my life right now when you order a very comfy looking pair of shoes on the internet that seem very practical in every single way and the first time you wear them you're heels bleed immediately return them return them they were super clearance then give them away you don't need to be wearing things that you're not comfortable i know but uh but i really like them (laughs) this is am this is why women are still in shackles oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna show you a photo of these shoes that are shackling women and you will laugh they honestly look like hospital orthopedics i'm like why are you hurting my feet go on i just you know life is maximum comfort okay (laughs) talk about your time at university for those of us out there trying to get through mountains of assignments yo do your homework don't take early morning classes yeah and enjoy your sleep that's like the last time you're gonna sleep regular hours yeah also let me hit you with the truth life is like mountains of assignments <laughs> they're not called that but like like we are we are busy and have to do stuff that is not super fun all the time because it's you know essentially the same thing as an assignment i know my my accountant like essentially gave me homework the other day and i was like man this feels like college i was so resentful of it i know i also have a worksheet for my accountant to fill out right now so that does not end when you graduate yeah you're like real life we still do worksheets um the man book club that the new york times wrote about oh i saw just the headline about this it's like all these like ugly old men and the tweet was like the man book club cardinal the man book club's cardinal rule no books by women about women i'm like uh good luck with that right i mean also that's just called like getting a classics degree like we've heard of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah right like it's like what a like what an earth-shattering idea it's so true um, also are you so oppressed by narratives about women that you like have to actively carve out space to avoid them <laughs> if so good luck to you sirs <laughs> i know it's like such a good trolley like response I um and then keeping up with self-care during the u.s election fiasco oh this is a good one i mean like one it's not the end of the world people act every four years like it's the end of the world we live through george bush like you're gonna be fine i've been feeling this truly like election burnout and i just choose not to super participate you get what you put into it and if you are just like watching cable news just driving yourself into the ground with feelings about this it will eat you alive here is a personal choice that i have made which is that 
when I'm checking in with political news or when I find myself being really frustrated by like some dumb gaffe or something in the presidential campaign, I force myself to read about races that are happening in my state or things that are happening below Mm -hmm. below the presidential level because um let's be real if you know anything about our political process like yeah the president's important for some key reasons but the way things actually get done is in congress so i'm I'm kind of choosing to refocus myself on not trump cruz hillary stuff exactly that's how i feel it's also like gonna be a long race and it's like just hang in there i feel you know i think that like political journalism is just made to get a reaction out of you every five minutes and you can really choose to not be a part of that it's true we need like a like a nerdy political news for people who are like burned out on the presidential election like feed of some kind because it is kind of harder to find but really it's like all you have to do is like scroll to near the bottom of the politics page of any news outlet you respect and you will find other news <laughs> yeah and it's also like honestly just realizing that the thing moves at breakneck speed like I remember when I woke up yesterday and the first headline I read was how like uh, Trump said that uh, Ted Cruz's dad had killed jfk oh my god and just, like, i just sat there and like laughed for five minutes right and then like the next thing i knew there was a, like ted cruz like did a press conference like addressing the fact that his dad did not kill jfk and then five hours later it turned out to be his last press conference was about that and he dropped out of the race i was like i can't be involved in all these like emotionally charged but moments. it does make sense that your campaign's death rattle would be making a statement about how your dad was not affiliated with jfk's killer like that's like the end I the know. end is nigh <laughs> i was like let me get this right the zodiac killer's dad <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging okay, up on like, you now. I like, what? <laughs> like, I can't handle this. But, you know, it was just one of those, like, mega absurd days. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, you just got to ride this wave. This is not, like, they're just, it's like life is trolling take, right now. It's take refuge it. in the Met Gala, et cetera. <laughs> oh, my God. We've both listened to this really, really cool interview with uh, Terry Gross where she talks about not having children on the longest, shortest time podcast. But it was really great. It was one of the most like honest conversations about the topic of just like being child free. And I thought it was a real gem. She talked about like not being able to imagine having a career and a child because she like didn't have she's like so not no evidence of it being done. And I don't know, I really identified with that in a deep, deep, deep way. Yeah, this is something that I think about a lot when I think about um, some, not all, some of my friends who have been very eager and non-conflicted about having kids. They've been the friends whose parents have most closely modeled the kind of relationship that they want themselves. Pretty equitable childcare, both parents making career sacrifices, like that kind of thing. For people who I think whose parents have arrangements that they would not want for themselves, like those people tend to be the ones who are conflicted or like leaning toward not wanting kids that I know. Yeah, you know, one thing, just like one like part of the semantics of it that was really interesting is that like the interviewer and like people at large like always say like childless women. Mm -hmm. That has like such a negative association for me. 
and just like always bringing it back to saying like child free because for some people it's a choice oh totally you know it's not like some sort of deficiency that they have and so like the semantics of that also are just like wildly interesting to me oh yeah all of our word choices around this are so loaded right like you know you could never be child free it would it could never be a liberating thing it could never be like i know affirmative choice that you made based on like what you want out of your life no no It's a, yeah, no, it's so ridiculous. But I don't know, this interview is great. I think everybody should listen to it, if only because Terry Gross is like a great interviewee. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved when she talked about her recurring nightmare about having a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just don't have a ton of stories about women that model this thing, right? Like women who don't have children and who are happy about right. it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Or it wasn't even an either or. They were just like, you know, on the list of things that I really wanted to do with my life, this wasn't on it. And it's not like because I was choosing between kids and something else. It was just like not interested. Like it's a, it's like there's a way to be kind of neutrally child free that is so rarely. Yeah. So totally. rarely in these discussions. I know, but it's because we we talk about this like so little. Terry Gross is she's a feminist pioneer. She'd like pave the way for women to have careers whether they were moms or not and it's still such a charged topic that people will project so many just like their own feelings and expectations on her and she's just very clear about her the personal choice that she made and it was it wasn't some like activist stance you know and it's her like living the life that she wanted which is beautiful totally And, and it's so like that whole like shame cycle about it starts so young I met a woman who was in her early 20s recently who was saying to me that she felt like her friends were kind of upset with her or turned off when she made comments about not eventually wanting kids or when she didn't want to participate in conversations about that. And I'm like, oh my God, you're in your early 20s. You know, (laughs) this is like, this is not just something that we ask of women who are, who are older. It's like, it starts so young. Because it's on the checklist of like, you know, like Rebecca talks about this so well with like, um, you know, like marriage being like the way that like women enter adulthood, you know, and then the next part of that checkbox is having kids. These are the steps that you're supposed to take and it's ingrained in you from a really young age. It's like, what does it say about you if you don't have the milestone or the accomplishment? Like people have a lot of agita around that, which right. is crazy. I mean, it, but it's also not crazy because it's really difficult to set, your, so to set your own expectations that are aside or like separate from, or maybe in some ways parallel, but a lot of ways not parallel to cultural expectations for what those milestones should be. Agreed, agreed. Um, yeah, no, everybody should listen to this interview. If anything, just like click on the link to see like pictures of like Babe Town Terry Gross. Mm, it's true. In multiple eras. I know, multiple eras of like being an independent babe. That's true. Also, I have to say, you know, this has been noted before, but she got her start on a radio show called Woman Power. And I, I that's for the first time ever, I had a moment where I was like, mm, reconsidering the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shows wrong. Shows wrong. It's true. Uh, We uh, somebody needs to bring back woman. Woman power. Okay, the last thing before I leave you, Anne, I know that you said that you caught up on all of your New Yorker reading. Did you catch the uh, Susan Sarandon piece in the, like, primaries postcard? I did, but I will pretend that I did not just because I want you to tell me about it again. That's how good it was. 
And it's so good. I don't I wish I had time to just like read the whole thing out loud to you, even though you've read it, because it, very few things have been this funny to me this year. I, I think we've discussed here or maybe another round, like Susan Sarandon and how she's like lost in the sauce about politics right now. I don't remember where we discussed that. Maybe just in our private lives. Who knows? <laughs> or maybe or maybe in our private yeah. lives. But, you know, I will say Susan Sarandon, I love her work. Uh, if you haven't seen The Meddler, you should see it. It's great. Her political opinions, I'm like, please hold. Just like, I don't need you telling me about anything. She was like a Nader booster. She boosted for John Edwards, but all of a sudden it's like Hillary. And she's like, I don't know. She, she, I'm disappointed for her vote in the war. And I was like, you know, like John Kerry that you love also like voted for the war. Like that stuff is less problematic. Problematic. I just said it to me than her, than her saying that what this country really needs is like a full on revolution. And Donald Trump will bring that on. And so maybe he's not so bad. Like that, is, know. you know, aside from her feelings about democratic candidates, like that point of view, which is just such like an insulated rich person point of view is what truly makes me need to like put my head between my knees and like breathe deeply. So she goes to this like blossom ball and then, um, on the way back, she's like, you know, she's like hearing about, um, the election. It was like the New York primary. She had heard of reports of voters being turned away in Brooklyn. It's very frustrating for people who work so hard, phone baby. <laughs> LOL. LOL. She began before getting distracted by red carpet photos on her phone. Seeing one of herself, she put a hand to her hair. She talked about Clinton, whom she had earlier described as a good Republican candidate. I hold women to a very high moral standard, she said. I was very disappointed when she voted for the war so, so easily, especially as I was suffering so much and my family was was suffering, pilloried for their opposition to the war. Um, back in Tribeca, she watched the last minutes of the movie. When Angel of the Morning played over the teary climax, she she rocked out a little chin forward. After a Q&A, there was a little party at a nearby club. Susan said that she couldn't imagine becoming reconciled to a Clinton candidacy. Her son texted to say that nobody was dancing at the ball. Her son was DJing this other party that she was at. This is when I die, she said. I want to rescue my son. I should go and dance, she typed. I'm coming. I like, I both love that she's like such a great mom to her son, and like th- this profile is essentially like making fun of her. So hard. It's really pretty, you know, because the thing is, if you ever done an interview like this or spent amount of, any amount of time with someone while they're like going about their daily life, you realize pretty quickly that if you quote everything, you can make them look pretty terrible. You know, I mean, and obviously she says some things here that are like, yeah, you would look terrible no matter what. But like, you know, the kind of the ways you quote those little things about like putting her hand to her hair, like you really do have a lot of power when you write about someone. If you if you think that they're kind of a ridiculous figure, it's typically not that hard to, to make that come across. Yeah, no, it was so funny to me. It's like the first time I read it, I thought it was a parody. I was like, oh my God, this is so well written. And then I was like, no, no. It's not Shouts and Murmurs. <laughs> it is not Shouts and Murmurs. Shout out to Shouts and Murmurs. Um, <laughs> it was it was really funny, but I don't know. That was a delightful New Yorker read. When the New Yorker brings it, they really bring it. It's true, and I have to say that like this obviously was not dealing directly with her views about that. But I'm like, if you if you really are into like some kind of negatively spurred revolution where Donald Trump prompts like 
things to get so bad that people all rise up against the government, then you are like on some special drugs. Like you are really in a special insulated place from the realities of the world. Right. It's like when it's the when it's the rich people that are bringing the revolution. I just like don't even know what to do. But also, I love the idea that like she suffered the most from the war in Iraq. Like that was really funny. I know. To me. I mean. I'm going to balance it out by saying, again, how much I like The Meddler and everybody should see it. Right. <laughs> Great. Thank you for that. And Oh my God. Sue Sarandon. Get it together. Did you call her Sue? That's such a good nag. <laughs> no, I called her Sue's. Sue's <laughs> Sarandon. I mean, you, all, you of all people know that like a nickname is a nag because when I say Gwynny Paltrow, you get so mad. <laughs> Oh my God, Gwynny is totally a <laughs> Suze is a power. Mm, for I'm gonna. Mm, I don't know. And it sounds. It just sounds strong. Suze. Gwynny does not sound strong. Um, speaking of tomorrow, friend of the podcast Natasha Tiku is taking me to a Goop shopping event. Um, I obviously got it. the email about this from Goop and was like, "Thanks for not only emailing your San Francisco mailing list about this. Not relevant to LA." Oh my God, it's going to be. It's going to be fantastic. I'm like, I'm doing all my Christmas shopping. Please. Please send me lots of photos of like $800 robes. Oh my God. Um, uh, it's going to be the best. Okay, boo-boo. I uh, still have conditioner in my hair because it's the kind of day that I'm having. Uh, so I guess to go. I support that. All right. You can find us on the internet so many places at callyourgirlfriend.com, on Twitter at callyrgf, on Facebook, just search for it. Um, you can send us an email at callyrgf at gmail.com. Lastly, you could even leave us a voicemail if you so desire at 714-681-CYGF. See you on the internet, boo-boo. See you on the internet. Oh, wait, wait. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. By Gina Delvac. <laughs> okay, for real. See you on the internet.